This show is distributed by SoundCloud. Welcome. Welcome to episode 184 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Episode 184. Whoa, that's a lot, isn't it? Think we're going to make 200? <laughs> it's, looking, it's looking pretty likely. If I was a betting man, I would say yes at this stage. It's like mile 20 on a marathon. You know, you're <laughs> just, about out of, just about out of energy. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we should do a uh, recap of MicroConf, huh? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we didn't do a uh, discussion show last weekend because I can't remember why. Why? Why did we not do one? Uh, we were we were hacking away on anything. I think. I think we were. I think that, or we just didn't have whatever. Just didn't have yeah. time. There was other scheduling conflicts. So yeah. Well, what were your uh, what were your thoughts? Um. Well, for me, I mean, it was very. Uh, you know, um, at the beginning of the whole show, I'm going to call it a show. Uh, Rob had said. If I want one thing from this, I want you to be able to take away at least three actionable points. And I definitely did. In fact, I took away a lot more than that. So for me, it was very practical. Um, really good in terms of Plugio. Uh, renewed energy and hope for the Plugio um, product. But also, I think something that I had been thinking beforehand was kind of really in my mind, this this idea of focus, focusing on one product. Right. Um in in one half of my life, obviously the other <laughs> the other half of my life is is you and and Denifu and that stuff. I, I, but I, because one half of like that, you know, that the, the side of my life with you and um, texting, that that seems kind of focused. But the rest of my life seemed so unbelievably unfocused. I just thought, oh my god, I really got to get this thing under check. So it's like it's like Fringe. They're two alternate universes, right? <laughs> yeah. They're just yeah, they're they're entirely separate. You can cross over. But uh, they're not they're not the same universe. Can I tell you when it start, It was started. I don't know, like a, a month or or maybe even more than a month ago. I opened a um, uh, what are they called? A fortune cookie, <laughs> and, right. it, and, it's, and it said something along the lines of, "It's easier to kill a bird with one club than three clubs." <laughs> and it just made me start thinking about that concept. Well, I I, I think uh, I think you should write a blog post called "How a Fortune Cookie Changed My Life." Oh, oh, sorry. What I forgot to mention was that the reason, the, the nail that knocked the head in, okay. the, no, no, the hammer that knocked the nail in right. <laughs> at MicroConf was that I, about three presenters said this. They basically said one of the most important things for me was focus. As soon as I, you know, it was learning to throw away side projects and other things and just really focusing on one thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I, I think it's okay to do little mini research projects every once in a while just to break up the monotony. Yeah, but not a full blown other endeavor. That's it's probably going to hurt you more than it helps you. Which, you know, I mean, you know, doctor heal thyself, right? Because I got Apignite and Anyfoo as well as you know full time consulting gig with uh, Uber. So yeah, I'm not really. Uh, I can't really claim that I'm following that path. But it's like following the path of like you know you should make sure you get seventy eight hours of sleep and you shouldn't eat too much sugar and you should try and exercise at least you know five six days a week. You know, we all know those things are true. We all know those things will make us happier and healthier and more successful. But sometimes it's hard to follow our our best advice and best intentions. So well, it's I don't like know. it's like when you 
you, you, you think of idea. I mean, if I don't know, you do and I do. We think of these ideas all the time. And then when with our current idea, we hit some kind of trough of despair, we hit something that's like bringing us down. We kind of think, hmm, maybe I should just try toying around with that other thing I was thinking of. And then that kind of snowballs into something bigger. I think that's how it starts. Well, it does for me anyway. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, I'll do a little, uh, go off on a little tangent here. Um, and then sure. we can get back to microconf. So I had come up with an idea about I don't know, a year ago, I'd say. I, I wanted, I wanted, I felt like I kept missing all of these big events and conferences. They were, they were, they were popping up and people would say, oh yeah, I just got back from NodeConf or just got back from this startup conference or whatever. And I'm like, I didn't have any idea that it was even happening. You yeah. know, I mean, a lot of them I probably wouldn't have gone to, but I didn't even have the opportunity to consider it. Cause I you want to be in the know. Yeah, I mean, I just don't want to miss them. You know, I, at least I'd like to be able to know if there's something nearby that I that I could you know go to pretty easily. I, I'd like to have the option and be aware of it. So I was so frustrated. I said, you know, it'd be great if there was something like Hacker News, which just had like a really simple UI, a simple list of all the upcoming events that might fit into the Hacker News ecosystem. You know, yeah. everything from startups to programming to robots to high frequency trading to you know whatever right all, all that kind of stuff the stuff that you know we like and and i ended up amazingly uh getting the domain hackerevents.com it just was available yeah that's <laughs> and cool to me. i worked on it for like six hours back in around um i just i think it was on uh thanksgiving break I was visiting the in-laws and I was kind of messing around with a little bit. And um, I talked to Guy on a little bit. I'm like, maybe we could just, you know, generate that using App Ignite as kind of a proof of concept of what App Ignite can create. And, you know, we'll have to do some, you know, a few things by hand, but overall it would be a good showcase. Like, hey, look what we were able to do. Well, I ended up just not spending more time after that because, you know, any food was just sucking down my time and Uber and everything else. So it was just sat there. And then I was, I was kind of thinking about it. it was like, you know, I guess this was just a couple weeks ago, a week ago. And I thought, you know, it'd be nice just to spend like a few days on it, like maybe 15 hours over, you know, with the time that I normally work with Guyon. See, Guyon and I work together probably four to five days a week for like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, you've, got, like, you've got momentum and you, you work together. You've got that schedule. Yeah, it's a set time, right? So it doesn't eat in anything in, a, in, in it doesn't eat into anything else. I mean, that's the time I work with Guyon. He's my partner in crime on this kind of on App Ignite or whatever. So, you know, if we just said, look, and, and, and I talked to him about it. And I said, I said, App Ignite has been working on this thing for, I don't know how many, two plus years now. Wouldn't it be cool just to kind of, even we just released a showcase site just to yeah. kind of get something out there, just to just release something. And he, he, he was like, he agreed. He's like, yeah, it sounds pretty cool. And, and I had told a couple of people about the idea. I was like, if I should just, you know, get something simple out like this. And, you know, there was a mix. You, you were kind of like, eh, you know, Sandy was, eh. <laughs> but uh, a few other people were, you know, I talked to Peter Cooper about it. He thought it was a cool idea and, and it could probably work. And um, the idea being that um, the way it would make money is that you go onto the site, you see a list of these different, uh, you know, upcoming events. You go, oh, that looks cool. Click on that one. You see, you subscribe to it, right? Which means that you get notified on some kind of basis, you know, every once in a while, like, hey, you know, uh, microconf's coming up in three months. Have you registered? You know, kind of stuff like that. Yeah. And what you could do is, for all the people who sign up for different Python events, for instance, if you were putting on a Python conference, you might want to advertise through these emails. So you might get. So like, would well, you like subscribe to a keyword? You subscribe like Python. 
Yeah, I was thinking what you do is you'd come on the site and you just uh, go and type in like you know, different categories. So we have Python, Ruby, startups, you know, whatever. And you'd say, okay, I, our conference is startups. So you just click on startups um, and it would be like, well, 2,426 people are subscribed to startups, um, these startup uh, categories. Oh, so it's like events. tags, like tags, yeah. like the way you have on Stack Overflow. Right. And so then, um, and so it'd be kind of self-serve and you'd say, okay, well, 2000, and an email goes out twice a month or whatever it is. And you say, okay, well, that's $348. <laughs> you know, you just enter the credit card and they write a little advertisement and then it comes to me or guy on and we can either approve it if it's, or make sure it's not spam and approve it. And then at the next, you know, and, it, and it's like, well, that's $384 per email and it goes out the next two times or something. Right. Kind of self-serve. Kind of so who, who's paying the 384? The person who's getting the email or the person who's push, pushing the event? No, no. So somebody who I want to advertise. If you wanted to advertise to anybody re- receiving emails about upcoming Python events. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Totally. Yeah. So I thought it would be a simple thing. And kind of, especially if all the stuff, the code you and I have written for Stripe, that would be easy. It's already done. The email stuff with SendGrid, done. It's like I have all these subsystems I've written. It's just kind of not a lot of work, right? So, um, but regarding the three three eighty four, like, what about all the people who host events that are basically don't have a pot to piss in? Oh yeah, you know, you know, you're you're still you're still able to list your events and and all the events are up there. But I'm like, if you wanted to put like kind of like a um a, a search listing, so on on Google, right? You have your premium one at the top. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Ones. So you maybe you'd have one or two listings down at the bottom or at the top. Say, hey, you know, PyCon, come up. And it would be like a little kind of presented, you know, with larger font and maybe a little more information about it. it. And I here's a it. list so of the other it's ones. The sponsored, that, you know, this is the sponsored entry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, you know, that could, I said that's pretty easy, pretty simple. I said it would be kind of useful to come in and have this really simple UI and to do that. And, you know, you could just subscribe to them, whatever. And then you kind of hook into like tw- um, Twitter to like help its growth and everything. And then I was looking around and I, and then I discovered that there's a company doing exactly this oh. Oh. <laughs> it was called lanyard or lanyard or lanyard or something. And, uh, it's a, um, it's a YC company and it's invested in like Yuri Milner's company and SV angel, I think is invested and in, has invested in as well as like Joshua Schwachter who created delicious. So I mean, and Esther Dyson, right? So it's, it's already, and it's been around since September, 2010. Since when is Lanyard the social conference director? Is that it? That's Zach. L A N Y R D dot com. But since when did some comp- you know competition mean that you shouldn't do it? I don't know. Well, that was what I was thinking. I'm like, because I was telling God, because we were looking at it. I remember seeing it and I glanced at it, but I didn't quite realize it was is that similar to what we were doing. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was, did something a little different, and I I didn't really like their UI. I thought their UI was very. Um, kind of like an overcooked ham. It was hard to see a lot of events at one time and get high overview. an overview. It was kind of like, I want to create, if they were dig, I want to create Hacker News. More focused, more streamlined, simpler, cleaner. Right? Yeah. And, but then when I saw that, there, that the, that the uh, functionality was so similar, I was just like, even if we could recreate most of this stuff pretty easily, which we can because I've written a lot of the code and it's just a simple version. I mean, we're going to release an MVP and like a week or two i mean not maybe not the advertising but the subscribe we already got that all working like in two days yeah in two hour and a half sessions or three hour and a half sessions and most of that was tweaking the app ignite orm to, to be able to handle a few of these edge cases that it, we hadn't thought about anyway so i saw that and i was just like i don't know guy on <laughs> i mean so we're gonna do a show hacker news to a competitor 
which is going to be viewed as a semi-clone of a YC company. And right. is the Y is the sort of the Y Combinator watering hole, you know? Yeah. But I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of I'm 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 about eighty five percent, ninety percent leaning against it. I mean, I told the guy we'll make a final decision on Monday. We we just kind of discovered it yesterday afternoon, and uh, you know, I said, well, I was just thinking we would just use this as a, as a couple week, two three weeks sideline, get this thing up just for fun, just to get it out there. I mean, I got HackerEvents.com. It seems like kind of a layup, and then we'll get back to App Ignite and do a, a one big more final push and get App Ignite released. Why don't you just sell HackerEvents.com to Lanyard? Probably good. Probably good. So I don't know. I'm just, it's just sort of, uh, it's just disappointing. You know, I mean, I, you, it's not that you don't want to compete with somebody, but it's like every idea that I had about how this should work, other than say maybe the UI design, is it's pretty done. much what they're doing. So it's not like I'm like adding something new. It's like, hey, you know, I'm competing with Basecamp and it's like exactly like Basecamp. People are like, hey, nice job. <laughs> yeah, well done. Well done for doing the same thing that these other guys are doing. Yeah, that's way to way to be unique there. So I don't know. It's just there's a little. I was kind of bummed about it yesterday because I kind of wanted to just get it out. And I thought it was kind of fun to build, but I don't know. I'm thinking against it. But well, so, know, okay, well, I'd like to hear the comments what people think about that. I, you know, if what people what we think I should do if it's worth if we should just spend a couple weeks on it and get it out, even if it's kind of a uh, kind of cloning. I think what you just described. Is a, like, look, there's, I, I believe there's an idea out there for you and um, Guyon to, to showcase Epic Night. And th- there's going to be something really good. You, you probably want something that's not going to compete with the YC company and all of the things that you described. Yeah, I mean, they have been out there a year and a half. They are, it is to have all the same functionality. So, I don't know, it's like you're not going to sign up to Hacker Events if you've already signed up to Lanyard. Right, you already have well, you already have a site that's that's informing you, emailing you with upcoming events. So and and it's going to be an echo. You know, yours is going to be an echo chamber compared to the lanyard. I mean, it's the chicken and egg situation of getting getting people in. But you know, once again, that's that's an issue in its own right is getting out there and getting people to know about it and getting them to put their events into your system, which obviously lanyard is doing. Yeah. So uh, you know, and the other thing, guys, I, I, I for another project I built. Uh, a year and a half, two years ago, which was kind of this Foursquare Groupon thing. And this is for a, a consulting project. Yeah. So I'd, al- I'd also already built all the code for hooking into Twitter, the Twitter API. I see, like, yeah. That was going to be a layup. It was like, lay- this is a layup, this is a layup, I already did it, I already did this. <laughs> this is- I already got these submodules built. So it's a disappointing, but I think maybe we'll just say, all right, screw it, let's just get back on App at Night and punch this But you've out. had some other App at Night ideas, right? That wasn't just this one. There, there was another one. I can't remember it right now. Was, I named it sort of Iterator, which was... That was it, yeah. I think that... Um, the, the, I think it was Jason Frieder uh, wrote an article about an internal tool they build called Iterations, which was sort of like a project management thing. It was more like propose a feature and get people to kind of vote slash comment on it. And it was kind of a cute way of, of, of doing that sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, maybe we'll build something like that called Iterator since 37 Signals isn't releasing this and people seem to think it was kind of a cool idea. And uh, it fell right in line of just, you know, vanilla web app. I mean, it would just fall right in line with what App Ignite could do easily. So, what can you do with Epic Night now? Where are you guys up to? Well, so what happened was, um, I, you know, one thing I, I kind of discovered, especially doing a few, few demos, is that when it would do all of the generation on the server side using PHP, sometimes it would be fast, 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 and all of a sudden it would be slow for no reason, for like 10 seconds or 30 seconds. 
and we just dog, you know, bogged down. It was just kind of sluggish. And I said, you know, I, I convinced Gaon, I said, let's just move this thing to the client side. Let's just take all this PHP crap, move it to client side, and write all JavaScript. It'll be super fast. It'll take all the heat off the server, and um, we'll just do it that way. And I was right about everything. everything and, and, then, and I said, I don't think it'll take us more than a couple months. <laughs> Right, you know, or whatever. I don't know what I said at the time, but I'm sure I didn't say it was gonna. It was gonna take us, you know, however long it's taken us. I mean, anyway, that was what nine months ago or something, eight mm-hmm. months. Ago. And what happened is a lot of times it's sort of that second system um, problem that you run into. It's like we're gonna rebuild it and a whole, a whole new start. And what happens is if you can lose momentum because it's such a it's such a long road. It can be such a long road that you just. Um, you don't finish it. So we kind of, the combination of like a guy on moving and then he had a lot of consulting work and then I had a lot of consulting work and, you know, on the weekends of my free time when sometimes that I would just work on Epic Night, I was working on Info, and so it just lost momentum. So I don't know, I think, but I think maybe what we'll just do is just like, just jump back on Epic Night and push it through because it's, it's we got it pretty close. It's like we died on the 15 yard line. It's like, all right, let's just pick this thing up and get it Did out. Did you, did you read the email that I sent you today about um, the potential business model for Epic Night, the WordPress business model? You know, I, I did it, and I appreciate you saying that. I was, uh, I, I was, we, Colby had a baseball game at 9 a.m., and so it was up getting kids ready and then out the door. So I, have, I just got home. I've been out all day. So I saw, I saw something on, um, I think it was through Hacker News, and it was on programmers.stackexchange.com. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was a discussion about automatic programming, writing code that writes code. So it was, it was a, a long discussion about that and about how this is, uh, what, I guess, what's it like? What do you call it? A theory or a paradigm? It's a paradigm, right? It's, it's, a, it's a paradigm that people speak about a lot, but that, that there isn't very much information about. So the first thing I thought of about this was, well, Epic Night is entirely code that writes code. So, and if this is, if this is an up and coming paradigm, that would be awesome for you to write a blog post around, right? Yeah. And the second thing that it made me think is something that I keep on thinking about Epic Night. You should go open source. I really, really believe this. And I know you don't, but I totally think you should go open source and follow the WordPress model. And I, I get, um, posted a blog um, to you, a uh, blog entry about how, well, I didn't post a blog entry, but I posted you a link to a blog post about how WordPress makes money. Um, so can I go through the ways that WordPress makes money and talk through this with you? Yeah, and I'll just want to say one thing before we do it. I yeah. actually talked to Guyon about this couple yesterday, I think. Yeah. I said, you know, and we had mentioned it before, but I, I, I talked about it before. But I, I think even if I didn't outsource the the entire application, at the very least, it's a start. I want to outsource sort of the framework because it's yeah. real simple. It's real minimalist compared to all these other frameworks. It's like you know one percent of say like a Zend framework or you know or Cake or something. But it, it gives a lot of the basic essentials like the ORM and the routing and and the auto loading and just some of that basic stuff. You know, we could just open source that start because then we could document that pretty quickly, right? We could, I think yeah, but just but, get that, just get that core. I don't. I mean, to I, me, if if Guyon's listening, Guyon, I want you to seriously consider a fully out uh, open sourced. A solution like WordPress. So imagine, imagine WordPress. You can download WordPress. You get the full thing, and then you've got a blog up and running, no problem. Imagine if Epic Night was like that. You could download Epic Night, and you got the full thing, and you could start building apps. And then the way that WordPress makes money, and you'll you'll be interested to hear all the different ways they make money. Okay, there's like 10, 15 different ways. One is web hosting. 
So WordPress offers web hosting for their, for their services. And so basically they, because obviously they understand the product, they have the basic hosting. So they've got the free hosting mm-hmm. and they have the VIP hosting that uh, Jason Kerr was talking to us about. So then the second way that they make money is through Google AdSense. So all the people who use that, view those blogs, get to see Google ads and WordPress make all the money from those Google ads. Um, another way that they make money is through, is through the Kismet system where basically you can purchase um, a subscription to the spam filtering system that WordPress have built. Right. So this helps you stop getting spam. Um, another way that they make money is through the main WordPress.com. Because you could do something like WordPress.com, right? You could basically have this central website, uh, apicnight.com, where people could go and create a new app, and it was like myapp.apicnight.com, right? Right. So this, this whole thing could be done that way. So they have premium accounts on, on there as well. So um, they also have, what is this, web host referrals? So, uh, web host, uh, WordPress.org suggests a list of third-party web hosting companies where you may self-host your WordPress.blog. So I guess they're basically taking a, um, an affiliate link. They've got, they make money through WordPress support. Mm-hmm. So, and remember, Automatic is like, that, this is a, I think, $200 million company. In, in, uh, I think, you know, I, surprisingly, I think that, um, what's the founder's name? I'm blanking on his name. You actually uh, know Matt, him. Matt, Matt Mullenweg. Yeah. I think they, they were talking about how he was worth hundreds of millions or something, or, yeah. or something like that, or in that, you know, automatic might be worth like going on a billion or something. I, maybe I'm wrong on that. It's but it's right. It's a lot. <laughs> They're worth a lot. Even though I've just listed off all those ways of you making money, the point that I want to make, the main point that I want to make is if you open source this, if you just did these two things, fully built an open source product and then build a hosted version of it that's free, ways of making money with this will completely become apparent. Just It will just become apparent because users will be using it. Users will be loving it. And you will see. So, you, you know, you never would have guessed that something like Kismet or web host referrals were going to be ways that WordPress were going to make money. They, they wouldn't have guessed it when they started the system. They've got a poll, poll Daddy is another way that they make money. Vault Press and Video Press, all these different concepts. And I think it would be exactly the same with you. But the problem is, is that because Apignite is so... What, the thing that Apignite can do is build applications, and that essentially is exponential. It's completely exponential. So you and Guyon are going to be working on this thing for the rest of your life before you can actually make it useful versus building an open source version, so fully open sourcing it and getting outside members of the community to help you build modules, and then you start making money, money off it. And if you don't want to manage the open source aspect of it, I bet Guyon wouldn't mind doing that. He'd probably be pretty good at it too. Yeah, it's fair enough. You know, at this point, I mean... It's 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 like you know, it's it's it, it, we got to pick up the momentum. So anything this anything to help us get going. So I think I think it's probably a good idea. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this: at the very least, I think we're gonna at the very minimum. I can guarantee you, can almost guarantee you we're gonna open source the core. And, and the only reason we wouldn't open source the other stuff is because it's we might need to spend a little more time before it's ready to open source. Like it's still too. Um, unfinished. Um, whereas, like the engine stuff, that is like okay, that that can that's good enough that we it's worth documenting, putting out there. But I think you're right. I mean, I think I think we probably it's probably a good idea. I agree. But well, at the very least, have a, have a read through that WordPress um, link that I sent you. You know, one thing I wanted to uh, you're talking about what people are worth. One thing we I, we talked about a long time ago, and I and um, I wanted to bring it up again because I I did some more thinking on it. Was Kevin Rose? Kevin we, Rose, we, yeah. We were yeah. estimating what he would be worth, and you thought he was worth 
huge sums, like uh, yeah, hundred yeah. million or something. And I thought yeah. it was worth maybe a couple million. Yeah. And someone else, I think we got. I can't remember what what episode it is. I can't really look it up. I don't know. Maybe you could do it. Do do a look on Kevin Rose on our on our on our uh, do a search. Someone else came back and said, "Well, he's he's invested in a lot of very successful startups." Is that right? Yeah. Any any of that who've exited yet? Um, I don't know, but I'm I'm guessing that based on that, he probably will. Uh, let me just let me just uh, find a way of searching doing that search. Yeah, it, it, I did on Google. He said, and John Humphrey wrote, "If Kevin Rose isn't worth sixty million today, I'd be surprised considering all the small investments he'd made." So that's the one you brought up. Yeah, Twitter, Zinger, and Facebook. <laughs> when but, he's invested in Twitter, Zinger, and Facebook, I'd say he's worth he's worth more than two million. Wow. See, I didn't realize he invested in it. I was just thinking in terms of his investment in um in Dig. In Dig, yeah. Because of how much value it's lost. And oh, because Richard had posted, he says he says, I think that I think the Kevin Rose sixty million thing came from business we a business we cover right near the start of Dig, but yeah. they admitted it was an on-paper number based on an estimated value of Dig. I'm sure he's doing all right, though. So my guess is like Dig is probably worth maybe a tenth of what it was at that time. Yeah. Um. So that's why I was like, oh, okay. So I was thinking I may be right then if he's only he may only be worth like you know five or six million. Not that that's small change, but it is in hundreds of millions, right? But mm-hmm. if you're right, or if this if if if, if um, John Humphrey is Right, and that's correct information, which I'm guessing is because he's linked to it, is in that he, he's invested in Twitter, Zynga, and Facebook, then yeah, he probably might be worth closer to 100 million. <laughs> so maybe you're yeah. right. Um, yeah. Interesting. I usually I, am. <laughs> okay, so uh, well, let's go back to MicroConf. Let's, let's talk a little bit about... Yeah, well, go on. So, so, I mean, but basically, uh, my impressions of MicroConf were they, it was awesome. I mean, obviously, the side that you went there for, you were really um, excited to meet some of the people that we've spoken to um like amy hoy and um peldy but uh i'm i was as well but for me there was just so much actually actionable information it was excellent from that point of view too yeah you took a lot of notes i noticed you were taking you were really doing a great job of writing down all noting all the useful concepts and action items for you know for plugio right yeah you were yeah which is good right you go there and you just kind of hang out (laughs) I mean, you're not yeah. going to get as much if you're, because you were like, oh, that's a good idea. And you just scribble, scribble, you know, whatever, or, or <laughs> type, 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 and make notes. So, um, yeah, I, I was, I was interested in two things. I mean, you know, I, you always pick up some interesting stuff, um, for sure. But I was interested, right, in, me, in having a chance to meet Peldy and Amy Hoy and Jason Cohen in person. Of course, I like, uh, it's fun to hang out with uh, Rob and Mike and, and see, uh, Patrick McKenzie again and stuff like that. So that that's always a those that that end of itself is a good reason to go. But I really enjoy meeting um a lot of our listeners. So the last year I think there were more there was more like ten, twelve uh texting listeners, I would mm-hmm. guess. This year I thought it was close to maybe twenty, twenty five. Probably oh, definitely. Different. Maybe yeah. twenty five. At least yeah. at least those are the people who actually came up and um and uh, talked to us and said, hey, I like the show. And, and we had a dinner on Friday night and on Saturday night with mostly different people, I think. And, yeah. uh, no, it, it, was, it was awesome. It was really, really nice meeting, meeting the texting listeners. And some people would, you know, wouldn't, would like just kind of hang out in the conversation um, and not mention for an hour, you know. And then like maybe an hour later they'd say, oh, yeah, I'm a listener. So it really felt like a lot of people were listeners. It was great. It might really be. Good. It might have been even more than that. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't really keep track or anything. But a, number, a lot of people. Are, well, he has a number of people walk up to say, "Hey, by the way, I like your show, guys." You know, and then 
just want to say hi, that kind of thing. So yeah. but I, I didn't take a note, but it might have been higher now. But that that was cool. So it always for us it kind of doubles as like the Texing Summit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like we're 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 way too small to have our own conference, so we just kind of piggyback on microconf. <laughs> right. Um so that's that was really uh, that's always a high point for me. I, I had a great time in those two dinners and then just, you know, chatting with people. Um but you know it's funny. So what was what was much better this year is the fact that it was at the Hard Rock Hotel. Oh yeah. I mean, that, now are you are you going to talk about all the hot chicks walking around? Well, first of all, I'll say last year. Well, before we get into that, I would say the year before we were at the Riviera. Yeah. It was kind of it's a little uh, trailer parkish, you know. I mean, not trailer that. trailer park six sixty year olds walking yeah, around it was a little, uh, <laughs> with cigarettes hanging out hanging out their mouth. Yeah, it wasn't the coolest place in the world, but the Hard Rock was cool. And and what was really funny is. I got in at uh, like 5.30 or something, 5, 5.30. And actually, it turns out that two guys on my flight from L.A. were, um, were, were texting listeners. And so they're like, hey, what's up? And so we ended up sharing like a demo. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and that was, yeah, it was very cool. And, um, and uh, so when we're walking in, I mean, there, it was funny. We, we checked in and there was tons of people there coming like from the – from like the, the beach because there's like this beach thing this fake yeah. beach it's a part it's a party it's a well-known i forgot the name of it but it's a well-known vegas party yeah yeah so i mean and it was amazing like everybody was super fit and super good looking and incredibly like cool and, and wearing was, nothing i mean literally just walking around in bikinis and i was like wow i'm feeling pretty outclassed here <laughs> You know, you're just like, wow, geez, like, and like every guy's walking is like 3% body fat and, you know, like, you know, everybody's walking with their shirts off. You're like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) And of course the girls were gorgeous and you're just like, wow, this is pretty crazy. This is like a movie or TV show or something. And then, and and then I came in and I checked into my hotel room and it turns out my hotel room was facing, um, was like on the third floor, second floor and facing out on the pool. And it was so loud. It was like, you know, when, when some of those guys will drive up next to you in their car and their, and their car is like bumping and you're thinking, I'm glad I'm just sitting at the stoplight for 20 seconds because my ears are about to blow out. You know, that's the largest cause of collapsed lungs. Really? Yeah. Because the vibration from those big boom boxes collapsed people's lungs. <laughs> Where'd you get that fact out? I'd like to see a link on that one. I, it's a hilarious factoid if it's true. I I, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do some research. So I get in there and I'm just like, this is a nightmare because there's no way I'm going to go to sleep. And, and, and I, I mean, how long does this party go on? Does it go on to like one or two in the morning kind of thing? This is going to suck because I got to get yeah. up, go to bed a decent hour if I'm going to get up and make the first talk at 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning. And so, as, but as a turn, I found out later that they were shooting a reality show called Rehab or something, an MTV Rehab or something. And they had flown in, like people all over the country had kind of flown in for this reality event, which isn't really reality. It's like all these people kind of try out and say, yes, you're good looking enough to be in the beach scene. Yes, you're good. Oh, that's why. So that, so the hard rock isn't like that all the time. No. First of all, it was, a, <laughs> it, was it was artificial. It was like, okay, no, this is like a TV show or it looks like MTV summer break. And why, you know, I was like, okay, cause all these people come from all the world and we only, they only took like the, you know, the best looking model esque. Oh, that explains so much. Because it was absolutely bizarre. <laughs> it was over the top, wasn't it? You're just like this. Is- well, I mean, it was it, like it, it. It made Los Angeles people look ugly. <laughs> it was. Yeah. 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 Okay, that explains a lot. Okay, I'm. I'm glad to. I'm glad to hear that. That's interesting. The other thing is, I didn't realize how many. Um, let's call them pros. <laughs> would walk females. 
professionals. Well, all pimps. No, for, well, I don't know if pimps, but I mean, for, you know, the prostitutes. Yeah. I guess there were a number there, but you really couldn't tell. Yeah, I guess unless you, maybe if you've been around there, you could tell, but it wasn't like the, it was, it was like these very attractive females and, but they weren't done up or done over the top to the point you're like, oh, she's totally a prostitute. And the girls walking around Hard Rock, a lot of them would dress up. They like, you know, really scantily clad, right? And, right. and very, very attractive. So it's like, I, I can't really tell the amateurs from the pros. And <laughs> uh, well, because I, I think what happens is like, you know, I think, you know, and I, I was actually even talking to my, uh, Sandy about this. Like, you know, like some women will like dress up in these really scantily clad stuff for like Halloween, especially when they're yeah. young college, they're all dressed up like cats or whatever. And it's just yeah, yeah. way for them to be like extra over the top sexy that, but not feel like they're being slutty, but they get to kind of have fun and play with it. You know, I think a lot of women will go to Vegas to go to Hard Rock and say, well, I'm just going to really do it up while I'm here. So you can't tell who's who, but what, what you can tell is we okay. There was one point where we were all standing around with a group of texting listeners talking and this guy walks up to us and says, Hey guys, you looking for any girls? And he goes, this is my card. Give me a call if you want any girls tonight. Really? Don't you remember? Oh, I thought the guy was asking about going to strip club. You guys want to go to a strip club? No, he he said he said both of those things. He said you want to go to go to strip strip club or you want any girls? I can I can sort you out. Oh, right, right. Well, the funniest <laughs> thing, and this I guess maybe this will kind of conclude the Hard Rock commentary. <laughs> but I was standing with um, uh, uh, Peldy and Ruben Gomez from um, our Gomez from um, Bitsketch, and uh, and I think it's one or one or two other people. And you know, and you're just sitting there, and you know, like, it's, like apparently this this attractive girl, but they're all walking around, so you don't really pay that much attention. You'd walk, kind of brush past us and rush past us. And uh, Peldy looks at me, and he's like, "Hey, I, so this is how the the pros do it. This is the protocol." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Hey, look, she handed me her phone number. She said she wanted me to call her." And I'm like, "Well, how do you know she's a pro? Maybe she just likes you." He's like, "Hey, look at me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, this has never come close to happening in my whole life <laughs> all right fair enough fair enough that was so funny he's hilarious he's so funny yeah i tell you you know what i was so surprised how tall he was and and, and of course me being blabbermouth i said it to him i was because <laughs> i just met him for the first time like literally hi peldy hi justin hi Pat. You are so tall compared to how I expected you to be. Well, you know, you always expect people to be roughly average height between five well, and well, nine. Foot, but right? his, his whole, okay, look, his whole demeanor, his whole website is kind of, oh, cute Peldy, I'm the cute little Italian guy. Li- you know, Italian guys are typically little, right? So, and you know, and, and even in his photo, it doesn't really see, it's just, it's just a headshot. So you kind of expect this five foot seven guy. You're not expecting a six foot two guy or whatever he is. He was probably six two, six three. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, he was definitely. It was like when you met when you meet Rob Walling for the first time. Rob is really tall and skinny, so you. Now Jason Cohen, I was expecting him to be six foot one, six foot two, and he was he five was seven. He was the other way around. <laughs> well, you kept saying you're like, man, Peldy's big, and Jason Cohen. <laughs> That's important information. Uh, but uh, anyway, so um, yeah, it was. I I don't know if I have anything else to say, Minecraft, other than that. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and I'm, I appreciate Rob. You know, given a competence on tickets, inviting us, and it was definitely worth worth the money, the flights, and everything for sure. It was really good. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do if if uh, if um, we don't get comped again. I think we're actually going to have to pony up the money and pay. I think <laughs> I think we're going to have to go. Like it, it's the it's, it, it's he's like a dealer. He's like got us addicted at this stage. Yeah. We're going to have to give him money next year. Well, I I know that um, a lot of 
a lot of the uh, speakers um, are big fans of this. Like who see, who go to a lot of conferences. Like MicroConf is is like their favorite or one of their favorites. Um, yeah, I've heard a couple of them talk about that. And you know, I don't. I'm not a big conference guy, um, so I don't really have much to compare it to. But uh, it seemed like uh, as far as conferences go, it's uh, it's a it's a really good one. I thought that Amy Hoy knocked it out of the park with her one. Um, she just just did a really good one. Um, and basically, she was really going over her stuff about don't just start a business based on an idea. Just start your business by doing some anthropological research and finding customers who have a pain point and you need, you know, they're, they're going to say, shut up and let me give you my money. Mm-hmm. And um, she just, she got that across really well. I think she did a good job. Yeah, I, I, I think her talking about how to how to explain your you know your your value proposition sort of your messaging on your website it was really good i mean she's well she's got a lot of personality she's a funny she's funny and she's insightful so she's i I don't think it takes much for her to come up with a decent presentation i mean she can she can just kind of you know pretty much run off her personality i I would think yeah i spent a lot of time talking i talked i had a, a number of conversations with her i was there which it was a lot of fun she was really She's really cool, and her uh, husband Thomas Fuchs, who does um, he does Scriptaculous and Zepto, the JavaScript yeah. libraries. Um, although he's really quiet, so you, uh, there, so you probably call him uh, m- m- uh, Mr. Amy Hoy. <laughs> he's so quiet, and she's just like very talkative. So it's it's, it's kind of funny. Awesome, but uh, anyway, so let's moving on. Cool. Yeah. So. Um... So what you got going on? What else? What's what's going on in the world of Jason Robert? Well, I got a funny little story. Um, Go on. So I wrote a little uh, post about this on Google Plus, um, which got a lot of pluses. So I guess it's uh, oh, you're still you're still one of the few using Google Plus, yeah. <laughs> you're just trying to kill it because you, you don't want to reinvest the time because you've already spent time on Twitter, right? You uh, well, yeah. I just I just don't think Google Plus is particularly interesting. But anyway, go. Yeah, I, I think it's more interesting because Twitter, you just can't say anything. It's just yeah. like we're Google. You could bless you, actually have enough to say something. Anyway, that is true. Conversation four, but um, anyway, uh, so Sandy got a phone call three or four days ago, um, from this company, and they were like, "Hi, yes, you know, we're such and such. Uh, we're a product design company, and we got a concept." Um, submission from uh, Colby and uh, we'd like to um, you know could we speak with him please and she's like and she's like is Colby your husband and she's like uh, no Colby's my son and they're like oh okay well yeah he submitted a concept to us and uh, you know we'd love to have a chance to speak with him and she's like he's seven <laughs> <laughs> how did Colby end up submitting this product concept to these people so Colby sits down at the computer Goes to the Google, asks the Goog, types in something about invention or something, and he uh, he ends up finding this site and he submits his product concept to this uh, product development company. And as it turns out, they're not a uh, scam company because there's certain companies that are like patent scam. They're like, hey, one eight hundred invention, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell this product, not, you know, and uh, they'll do like a little advertisement. So they, the guy who created the slip and slide, he made millions. This product is not, you know. Uh, does not uh, the usual case, you know, small, small uh, type, right? In disclaimer, <laughs> <laughs> this is not the usual outcome. Um, <laughs> so 
so it was this very embarrassing conversation where Sandy's like, yeah, he's seven. So I don't really know what, and, 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 and the, and the woman who was talking to Sandy, she was just, it ended up, was just laughing. It was kind of funny. It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, you know, and we ended up getting a call, a voicemail from them, like a couple days later. And, uh, she says it was the same lady, and she says, "You know, I told the story to my boss and to the design team, and they thought it was such a great story and so funny that they've decided that you know that, that they would like to develop the concept anyway for free as like a publicity <laughs> thing. Like we'll create it, we'll storyboard and, and and do the design, the concept drawings, and we'll do like a use case story on it. We'll put it on our website. That is such a good idea, <laughs> you know. And I guess you know you could see like." People who saw like the TED talk by that nine-year-old who wrote an iPhone game, yeah. So and that was huge, right? That was probably one of the most widely watched TED talks of all time. And so uh, maybe that was something that that popped in their head or something. They're like, you know what? We could tell this story, write a blog post about it, maybe do send it out to maybe get some coverage, you know, on some magazines or something. Just like the Atlantic Money Monthly picked up your Yelp article, which you can get into. Um, wait, wait, hold on a second. What's his product idea? His product he wrote was called uh, Starstream, the greatest jet of all time. Starstream, the greatest jet of all time. What it is, it's it's a jet (laughs) slash rocket, so it has jet engines, and it takes off, and then it gets high enough in the atmosphere, it has a rocket that kicks it up and goes into the outer atmosphere, and then uh, then it comes back in and lands like a normal jet. Now, how are they going to build that? Well, they're not. They're a product design. So what they'll do is they'll just probably just do like you don't see like these um, concept concept drawings for these prototype cars, these yeah. future cars that they'll do, and they'll probably just do something like that. They'll probably you know. So I, I guess the idea is that we're going to do a Skype call with them, and they're design, you know some of like the designers. They have designers in different parts of the world, and they're going to work with them and do some you know drawings. They need to record that. But I mean, Colby knows knows his stuff, right? I mean, he he really has his ideas about how this stuff is going to be put together, doesn't he? Well, it's funny. I mean, because Colby is a, a a geek's geek. I mean, he is a true engineer. I mean, he just he, first thing he gets up in the morning, six thirty in the morning, and he's building Legos. He's he'll build this Lego <laughs> thing. It's like four hundred pieces that like for hey, just twelve and up, and he'll do it by himself. <laughs> like he is a total. I mean, sometimes he'll ask me. He's like, Dad, can you help me do this? And I'm like, You know, I I, I can't. <laughs> I can't figure it out. I don't know what you're doing. I tell. Like dad, well look, and it'll like it'll, it'll be like you know page twenty seven of like seven of like seventy pages. <laughs> the third panel, there's nineteen pieces, and going these all these strange angles, and I'm just like I I don't know why that doesn't fit, Colby. I don't he know. He must get this from Sandy. Yeah, well, Sandy's dad, um, uh, uh, Bill Durrell, he has I don't know a dozen or two dozen patents. He won the R R R and D one hundred award, which is normally <laughs> given to like corporations. He has all these patents in like um, in lasers and optics technology. And wow. he, he's sort of, he's amazing. He's amazing in that way. And uh, so that, and Sandy has kind of inherited that gene. She's, I've told, I've talked about before how she like rewires, she'll do the rewiring for our place or fix the plumbing or she'll fix any electronics. It's, it's amazing. And I don't, <laughs> she, I don't know how she does it. I mean, so something simple, like say my watch that has like, have, I have no idea how to reprogram it and there's no manual. She'll just look at it and go, do, 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 there, fix. I'm like, all right, thanks. <laughs> You know, so she's she's got it. Whatever that gene is, I'm pure equations and algorithms. Once you get out to the real world, I'm an idiot, and I don't, I can't fix anything. Um, but Colby is has that, so he has that passion and he has that natural ability. So it's not just that it happened that 
he went on his website and entered this funny thing. He's actually the kind of kid that you'd think that kid might be. He yeah. is an amazing sort of engineer creator. He, he just draws, like he draws diagrams of planes. He's constantly drawing planes and he won't just draw a plane from one angle. He'll do like two or three angles like on the same page, like a blueprint. Like here's the front, looking at the front, here's the side and he'll draw. And it's well, like what did he Google to get to this company? Something, I, I don't know, I have to look. I, I don't know if there's any way for us to find out. Something about an invention. Jeez, that's amazing. It's really funny. It's just really, really amazing. So I, I think what I'll do is I'll probably also write a blog post up about it and put it at Hacker News because I think it's a really funny story, you know. Because it's, again, it's like kind of luck surface area thing, right? Kid goes in, he says, what the hell? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just go to this website and enter my idea. Next thing you know, you know, we get, who knows, you get this huge publicity thing about him designing this airplane concept. It's really funny. Yeah, oh, that is awesome. That's kind of cute story. Um, but anyway, so you, what do you got? Um, I don't have anything right now. Let me just uh, have a look around here. I got a lot of stuff if, uh, you know, if you want me to. Okay, go. So let's see, what's the first thing I'll do? Um, oh, it, while we're on the Colby subject, I found this thing. This thing came up um, the other um, the other uh, week called Circuit Lab. It's like an HTML5 type of web app where you can design circuit boards. You can just drag and drop resistors and switches and and you know whatever capacitors and create circuits. And then you can do and do solvers for it, so you can see like you know how it would actually behave. Yeah, I can imagine that. Really neat. So I've always wanted to learn electronics. I learned a little bit when I was in high school, but then I, I never got past a certain point. And I, I always thought it was really, it'd be really cool to be able to design an entire circuit board. And uh, so I showed Colby and of course he went hog wild on it for like 15, 20 minutes until Sandy shut us down because it was past bedtime. But <laughs> I, I, I told him, I asked him, I said, do you want to, you want to learn electronics if you want? I said, we could kind of learn it together. He's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So I was thinking about that, but I was like, you know, what would be kind of cool is if you created a game. I had this kind of, I'll, I'll give my game concept. What if you had like a game that was kind of like Scrabble meets electronics? So it's like, you know, have a board in Scrabble and, and you pick out, you have a certain number of letters and you try and make a word out of it. And yeah. you have existing letters on there that you have to work with. Well, what if you had the same thing with like a circuit board? Well, there's some kind of circuit component up there. Everybody has their pieces and you get points when you complete a circuit of a certain type or has certain behaviors. Mm-hmm. And you made it like, and you put it up on like, like a Facebook game. So the better you did, the more components you get and the more elaborate circuits. And you could kind of get, you know, kind of your geek cred as you build up these really cool circuits and they could kind of show up on your Facebook or something like that. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a board game in the real world or it's a board game online? No, on, online. So like a Facebook game. Okay. So Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, and so it's like, okay, well, so you're new to, let's call it circuit world or something. And you go, okay, well, you get like seven components and you create some little, you know, little tiny circuit that turns a light on and off or whatever. And so that's your circuit. And so you get points, but then you can get more circuits if you invite other people in or you work with other, you can trade components. Like I need, I need another capacitor and I got an extra resistor. I don't know. So you trade that. And then if you get, if you complete it, then maybe you get points that you can buy components, you know, and mm-hmm. then people in to your circuits you can build the more elaborate circuits and i think it'd be kind of cool if you did that and you created like and you did that for like chemistry like building molecules and stuff out of uh, individual elements you could do that in uh, i mean you could do it all kind of different for in different ways and it would you you could create a company around it and call the company something like uh, geek cred <laughs> <laughs> something like geek games right so you create these games that are like social slash educational games 
um, that uh, work in this way. And it would kind of you could it would work within the you know the the geek world, right? You know, and also within students and teachers would probably push say, hey, you know, go build the you know the electronics thing and or the chemistry thing and build up your molecules and whatever. What do you think of that? That's, yeah, I think that sounds awesome. Kind of neat idea. I think it's kind yeah. of yeah. I'd like, I like to, it. I would think that's cool. I always thought that would be kind of fun to do something like that. I think Bill awesome. Okay, well, I, I do have one for you. Um, remember um, Light Table? Yeah. Well, okay, so, th- so this is Light Table is the uber cool new concept of text editor that kind of as you, as you type, it's compiling the code and it's showing you the output, it's doing trace statements, the whole thing's happening at the same time. Right. And it's almost like a minority report tech style text editor, right? Um, so they have um, put themselves on Kickstarter and raised 200,000. Wow. What were, they, what were they shooting for? Did they have a... Uh, 200,000. That was their goal. And they raised it. No, they raised more than that or they stopped? Or it just- they're, well, they've got 19 days to go. They're, they're 202,000. Wow. Which is... Okay, so that's, that, that's one. Now let me bring up the... Next. Remember Bridge, the iPad one? They were, they, they were raising money on Kickstarter. They raised 250,000 in two days. They what, now have. I don't know what Bridge is. What is it? Okay, so so Bridge is um, this this uh, keyboard for an iPad. So basically, it's what their their idea was to make a keyboard that looks exactly like the bottom of a MacBook Pro, but a really small one that fits perfectly with an iPad. So you like slot your little iPad into it, fold it over, and then you've got like a MacBook Air made out of your iPad. Yep. And they they're going to charge like one hundred and fifty dollars for this thing. That'll totally work. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No. Exact. Well, that'll probably work. But not 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 only that. Like they, you know, they, they've. Um, it's. I think it's a, a bunch of engineering students, and they've already machined it. They've got prototypes ready, and they've got. They've actually got the production line ready. But they're just um, buying buying the aluminium blocks and all that kind of thing. So they put well, this. Why didn't they raise? Okay, go on. Finish, and I'll ask you my question. They put. Well, they they did a great video for it. They put the video out on Kickstarter, and in two days they raised two hundred and fifty thousand. And now it's I don't know it's like ten days later they've raised raised five hundred eighty three thousand on Kickstarter. They had a they had a goal of ninety thousand. That is <laughs> awesome. That is so well again it's that whole luck service here right? Do something and talk tell as many people about it as possible. And the Kickstarter, so the Kickstarter thing not only did they raise money but they got huge uh, publicity out of it right. So like if you just went and, let's say they shopped around Silicon Valley and they got some seed investment for the same amount of money. Half a million. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. But then they have to buy the advertising. Well, this, their whole Kickstarter story and all the people who, I mean, all the people who gave money are all vested in spreading the word and tweeting about it and whatever. So they're way ahead in terms of bringing awareness to it, just their marketing campaign. And of course, now they own 100% of it. They don't have to split it with any, uh, any investors, right? But, th- but th- think about this, right? These guys are raising seriously good money on Kickstarter. And it, I think that now Kickstarter needs to be considered as the kind of the new, the new angel. <laughs> I mean, like if, if you're starting a business, you need to think, is it possible that I could drive this through Kickstarter? Is that my first thing that I do? Because basically you don't even need a product. You just need an idea. You just need a video. You just need some buzz. 200,000 light table raised for a piece of software that doesn't exist, that, that barely exists. What, what what do people get from don- for donating money to- towards it? Do they have like... The- okay, so $15, $15 or more. I'll read to you from Lighttable. Um, so obviously with Bridge, they get the real product. They actually get one, 
So they put $150, like a pre-order for $150 or something like that? Well, Bridge, you've got um, $150 is the starting point, then $170, then $180, then $210. So they had like 100 backers for the $150 one, 306 backers for the $170 one, 100 backers for the $180. So, you know, for example, the $180 one, I think they sign it or something like that, you know. Uh, yeah, so this it's like different levels, but that you can also actually invest in. You, you can pledge a thousand or more, and then what is it? A distributor kit. You'll receive eighty bridges in full retail packaging uh, with forty percent off, so you can actually sell this. Oh. So, so the, anyway, that's bridge. But let's just go through the light table one. Um, so okay. for the light light table, fifteen bucks, right? You get added to the list of contributors to the project for showing your support and a license for light table. If you pledge. $15 or uh, $30 or more, you get a beautiful light table t-shirt. If you pledge $50 or more, and there's a thousand backers for this, you get a license for light table and early beta access. Um, if you pledge $100 or more, you get a license for light table, early beta access, as well as participation in our feedback rounds. I mean, th this is it. I mean, this is it. Just think of it. Just come up with a great video of a mock-up of how your software works and find a good way of like getting blog posts about hacker news and you can be way ahead of the game way ahead of the game yeah well is it this adult saying that it's better to have your customers fund your company than investors yeah and this is it so but what's better than what, what, what's great about this as opposed to bootstrapping so bootstrapping is you go if you if you're gonna have your customers fund it you have to build something first and then, and then, so that, that that something could take you six weeks, or could take you three years, you know, depending on how complicated this something is, right? And since you're bootstrapping it, you might likely be doing it on the side, in which case it takes you know a lot longer, right? But if you do what you're saying here, which is that you know you you put up like a prototype and a video, could do a bunch of conceptual stuff, which could take you a very small fraction of what it would take to have a fully working released product, then you get the pre-orders. Mm -hmm. Right. So which is cool. So it's like you get this pre-order concept, which is sort of similar. We talked to Jason um, uh, Cohen last week about how we went around to get people talk to people validating the concept for WordPress engine and say or WP engine and saying, well, would you pay? And rather, he, he was just asking people if they'd pay. But we were talking about the idea of him um, uh, actually asking people for money. And he said he had he didn't do that. But that one, the people at Capital Factory who he's an advisor or an investor in. Some of the one company did that, so you could do that thing individually. Is just say, hey, if you like this, okay, how about how about writing a check for it? But this, of course, this Kickstarter is way more scalable because you got the whole world. You don't have to go set up appointments. You know what this should be called? Not bootstrapping. This should be called kickstrapping. <laughs> kickstrapping. Kickstrapping. Uh, that okay? Trademark uh, Justin Vincent. Kickstrapping. TM. TM. <laughs> <laughs> right. All licensing to Justin Vincent Enterprises. Or JV yeah. Multimedia, right? That's well, your... you've, you've got some good tracks, some traction with Lock Surface Area. Let's see if kickstrapping <laughs> gets some traction. I like kickstrapping. That's a good one. That's really <laughs> good. Well, speaking of... of uh, oh, I, I, I was going to go on a little side uh, tangent. Um, do you want to do anything more you want to say about these particular... No, just, just that this is, this is like... This is option number one now that I think people should be thinking about when they're building their business. I, I like it too. So if you have something that's kind of consumer focused mm -hmm. and uh, and it's kind of kind of sexy cool in a mm -hmm. way. I mean, Lighttable is real sexy cool for tech for tech people, and whereas the bridge thing is just for just anybody who likes this. And I, this also, by the way, for anyone who says you can't get money from developers, 
take a walk. You can totally get money from developers. Look at this. They've it, co- collectively they've raised eight hundred thousand dollars. Just two projects. Yeah. Well, of course, you you, you wouldn't call the bridge the um, the bridge customers necessarily. Uh, developers they're just general I guess, tech I guess. users yeah, which is like everybody they're you're you're on the upper half of of well it's true i showed it to my mum and she because i uh we got my mum an ipad when she was staying with me recently mm-hmm. and she she was like i really want the keyboard for this and i showed her this and she was like i want that exactly. <laughs> so yeah i guess it's not tech it's it's yeah a uh, that's a layoff that thing's totally gonna work it's absolutely gonna work yeah i guess the only weakness is if apple comes up with the same thing you know? apple, why would they bother they'll just buy it they'll just buy this company Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, so uh, speaking of Lux Service Air and all that, so you're, you know, we don't have to go through the whole story again or anything, but you know, you wrote your Yelp, your your big blog post about Yelp and your yeah. how your moving experience that cost you two thousand and 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 you got a little. It was funny afterwards because you were a little um, you were a little upset that all the work that you put into writing a blog post. You, you felt <laughs> going to come to anything like that. Yelp wasn't going to change their brick business practices because of your blog post. <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was hilarious it's like i'm gonna write an article and like amazon's gonna change how it does business like okay i think you need to shoot a little mo- little lower i mean it's nice to think maybe it could happen um but i think what you have to think about when you do things like this when you point out how a company isn't doing things the way it should do it and at least it, it's like when you like roll a snowball down a mountain maybe it'll turn into eventually turn into an avalanche <laughs> or right something. yeah but you know, you just you just you add your voice to it. So you're you're now a data point, and, and I think it got enough traction that um, when people talk about Yelp review filtering problems, the Justin Vincent moving story will be a significant data point. But what was really amazing to me, I actually was that uh, Atlantic uh, Monthly, Atlantic Online, actually picked up and wrote a story essentially about your story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, my story, I think my, my post ended up getting about 50,000 views. But as you say, it got syndicated and then, re, I guess, repurposed. So, and it, 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 it got a lot of tweets. It really did make the rounds for the day. But one, thing, one, one place that it ended up was Yelp itself. So Yelp have the discussion forums. Uh-huh. So, so one of the Yelp fan, you know, one of the Yelp fanboys goes, oh, look at this guy complaining about Yelp. So then there's like 100 Yelp users who go, yawn. Oh, he only lost 2,000. Come on. Things like that. Really? <laughs> and the, the conversation was so just lowbrow and just totally like this guy is just a complaining idiot. You know? Mm. Well, you know, you figure you're going to, you're, if you're in the fanboy territory, you're not going to get a reasonable hearing. I mean, I don't know. Um, well, it, it, it also, that, you know what that made me think? It made me feel kind of ill about there's these two two different types of startups. You can have like a startup where you harvest people's time and a startup where you save people's time. And it made me feel kind of ill about these startups that harvest people's time like Yelp. It's just harvesting people's time and turning it into money. And, you know, the kind of startups that we're working on are saving people's time, which I, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess in a way, but I mean, I guess in the end, it's, let's, let's, let's go on the assumption that Yelp works, that their review system works, that it might, save other people time because yeah, they, yeah, they point. Yeah. find things they couldn't find. I mean, I don't know, but it's definitely leveraging work done by other people. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, but just, just to round that up, um, Darren Phillips, um, at microconf, uh, he gave me some great advice, uh, movingscam.com. He said that 
he had had a, a bad moving experience as well and then found movingscam.com that mm. get, gives like a checklist of things that you can do to kind of prove that this is a real moving company. Because apparently this is a big issue. It's not just like this one moving company. Like, uh, oh yeah, I obviously I got a lot of emails from people who read the post. And since it went way beyond Hacker News, I got emails from all sorts of people, including a guy who was a cop and his, his, his sole job was uh, moving crime. Wow. So this is a whole category of scam. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole category of scam. So, 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 you know, he said, he said the issue is, is that the, the usual, for in-state moves, it's pretty well regulated, but it's out-of-state moves is the problem because different states have different regulating. So it's very difficult for them to actually enforce any laws against scammy companies that are moving from one state to another. And that's the issue. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, it's interesting that uh, maybe we put a link to that that list, that checklist. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll, I'll just put a link to the movingscam.com. That's no problem. Right, right, right. I think that's, that would be cool. But anyway, I, I thought it was pretty cool that your, uh, that your blog post got syndicated. I mean, essentially, they paraphrased you quite a bit. Yeah. It was a story. It was, it, was, uh, it was easy work for the writer. Because <laughs> she just kind of was like, well, he, this is what happened, and he said this here, and he said that here, and this is kind of the story. I mean... Um, I love it when they say, and Vincent said... Oh, quotes. you're Vincent. And Vincent said quotes <laughs> well yeah i mean i guess that's the, i shall be forever known as the guy who who moaned about yelp which is exactly <laughs> what i didn't want that's right well, i'm the guy who screwed up his google acquisition and you're the guy who got scammed by the movie company yeah <laughs> well that happens to people all the time right like they get known for something that they don't want to be known for like they've they've done a lot of other great work in their life but for yeah. some reason this thing that they did or was kind of weird or got a lot of attention like that's what everybody knows them for and they're just it's so embarrassing you know yeah. it's like oh why it's like do i always have to talk about this um yeah i was <laughs> i was listening to i think this was an um oh 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 let me just say one other thing one other thing yeah. mm -hmm. so on the main thing that they spoke about on the yelp forum uh -huh. was that on the top of my blog post, it said Justin Vincent, solopreneur, uh, podcaster. So the, the first guy goes, ooh, Justin Vincent, solopreneur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Mr. Smarty Pants. <laughs> solopreneur. Right. Well, Mr. Smarty Pants, you're not clever enough to know not to click on the filters, are you? And then so the, basically the rest of them just made fun of solopreneur. Well, you're not really a solopreneur anymore. I know, and I've I've just changed my tagline on on the WordPress blog to Justin Vincent building stuff, <laughs> building stuff. Yeah, that's that's better. That's better. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you and I are working together, and then uh, you're working yeah. with guys at Company Fifty Two. So there is no solo. I'm no Rob Walling. No mo solo. No Rob right? Walling. Yeah. No mo solo. Yeah. No mo solo. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. You were going to say. Oh, just that was kind of the list of things that people had known for. I was listening to something. I think it was Radio Lab or something. It might have been an old old show, but they um they, this guy who was they were studying trees and they went to find some tree that looked old and they walked in the forest like oh, this tree looks really old. We're going to cut it down and we're going to count the rings. And they were studying. I guess they were doing some study on on old trees and how you can you know analyze their age and the conditions of their environment. It turns out as they counted the rings that it was the oldest living organism on the planet. It was like 2,000 or 4,000 4, years old or something, tree, that they killed. <laughs> <laughs> Total 
mistake, right? Like, hey, this looks like an old tree. Okay, so let's cut this down and do something else. And they're cutting, they're cutting, they're cutting year after year. And they're like four thousand years. It's like older than anything ever. And then, of course, not only did they, of course, make them feel. That's, that's what I always think when I see when I see the eternal flame. It's like this flame has been burning for a thousand years, and it's just open there, and people can walk past it. Like, why doesn't someone just go? You know, right? Uh, so you're oh the guy who blew out the eternal fl- flame. Yeah. Nice, nice work there, hot shot. <laughs> so this, so this guy, this scientist, you know, apparently he's done a lot of other good work and and sort of related areas, but he's known as the guy who killed the oldest tree in existence. Oh so he feels terrible about it, but it's been like 30 years. It's still what he's known as. And this other guy, this other story was this guy who was this pitcher, and he was this great pitcher. Um, you know, had set, I don't know if he'd set records, but he was really top notch. And then over a series of a season or season and a half, he just totally lost his pitching ability. Like he yeah. just throwing like crazy pitches and people were watching. Like, oh, is he the guy who it's named after now? Yeah. It's like the, like, like, a, like that episode of the Simpsons doing a Simpson doing a, yeah, he, <laughs> and I, I can't, I can't remember his name and I'm not really a, a baseball guy. So, um, I can't remember his name, but he's, he's, that's what he's known for. That's what he's known for. Not that he won, not that they won, uh, I think, a, either World Series or Pennant. Not that I think he won some pitching awards. Not, but it was that he is known as the guy who just started, he just completely lost it. And he spent, you know, years, I mean, trying to figure out what meditating and doing psychoanalysis and going for tests and going, is it psychological? Is it physical? Uh, yeah, yeah. Neurological? Yeah. Could never figure out the answer. And it was the most awful thing that ever happened to him because it was, you know, what he loved to do and he just lost it and he has no explanation for it and but he's now known for it it's named after him and so whenever it happens to whenever he sees it happen to another pitcher and it has happened to other i pitch. heard that i heard that in, oh so you NPR, listen to that whole story right yeah i listened to that whole story and it was awesome that did you ever hear about this um did i ever tell you about a guy called gerald ratner no so that there's this jewelry company in um in the uk and okay. basically it had 500 stores across the uk like the biggest jewelry company called ratners owned by this guy called gerald ratner so he's so he's having um, some kind of dinner party or something like that, and he's he's speaking to some journalist, and uh, you know the journalist says, "So do you, you know, what do you think of the the Ratner jewelry? What do you think of it?" And he goes, "Oh, it's a load of shit. I'd never wear that crap." Oh, <laughs> so the journalist <laughs> goes back and reports this, and basically the entire company bombs, and lo- all the stock loses its shares. No one buys anything from it. So it's called cool. it's cool doing a Ratner. <laughs> That's what it's called in the UK, doing a Ratner, where you basically diss your own product. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So don't, yeah, don't, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, wow. So, um, oh, speaking of, uh, you know, what, uh, that, that story on, um, about the, the guy who cut down the tree. I think it was yeah. on Radio Lab. Which, by the way, if anyone's listened, looking for a podcast, listen to Radio Lab's pretty good. It's in like an NPR kind of thing. It's kind of like Amer- This American Life with kind of a geek twist to it. Yeah. Um, they had this one episode was old uh, that I happened to listen to. I, 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 it was about, you know, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber? Remember that guy? I think so, yeah. You remember he, so this guy is living out of the cabin. He, he, he became kind of anti-technology. Um, he was a big anti-technology guy and he, uh, living out in a cabin in nowhere, and he was, send, he was sending these homemade bombs to various technology people. I always get confused between unibombing and unibrow. No, this is not the unibrow. 
<laughs> this is the Unabomber. So, okay. and so he, so he, I think he killed some people, or and it definitely maimed some people, seri- injured some mm. people seriously, because um, they would go to their mailbox and open the bomb and make a letter bomb and right, blow yeah. up, or they'd open up the the you know the bot package and get killed. So, um, not to bring anyway, it down or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out, so Ted Kaczynski, it turns out he was a mathematician. He had gotten his PhD, I think, from University of Michigan and was known as like a really top-notch mathematician. Um, and uh, the, his PhD advisor said that he had solved a problem that he, he himself couldn't have solved and that he was just this, you know, really up-and-coming star. But he was also had very bizarre behavior, was kind of antisocial and, and stuff. And it turns out that he entered Harvard at 16 and he went into this psychological testing thing that was going on this program and it turned out it was uh the cia's mk ultra have you heard of mk ultra yeah i have yeah it's like this sort of like a brainwashing program that they yeah. had and i'm blanking on the guy's name but the guy who ran the program who was high up at the cia he, he they when mk ultra was coming to light and, and along with a bunch of other shady things that was going on with the cia during the church proceedings back in the i want to say 60s or i think it was in the 60s um, that uh, they, they, they burned like all the records of MKUltra. But apparently later on they found, you know, like 20,000. So this could have turned this guy crazy. Well, it turned out, yeah, it turned out, according to, I mean, I'll put a link to the show, but, uh, but it turned out that um, of all the people who were reacting to being this, this, this sort of psychological manipulation and, and, and intimidation and stuff that they were doing in these, uh, in these sort of uh, interviews and this, this psychological testing, that he had by far the strongest reactions to it all. Really affected him. And it's not that other people who were much more stable, had much more stable uh, psychologies, were, were still bothered for years and decades. But they still had nightmares about it and were still – still, it had left major scars for them. And so you take someone who was a little more delicate – and maybe a little less social, a little less uh, ro- a little less of a robust psychology, and that's the kind of thing that might turn them into a, <laughs> somebody like a Unibomber. Oh my God! Like the the law of unintended consequences. You know, they were trying. I think MAK Ultra was ultimately to, at least the goal. The stated goal was to be able to fortify like U.S. troops who were like um, captured by the enemy. So when they're mm-hmm. tortured, whatever, they would give up information, and they would be able to um, withstand harsh environments and torture. And so then of course, a lot of times these things go a little too far and become kind of, you know, evil in their own way. And of course have unintended consequences. But anyway, I thought that was a crazy story. Mm, no, that is, but, um, it's nuts. but yeah, the, the radio lab's good. It's a good show. Um, so well, now you made me feel bad for making my unibrow joke because you, <laughs> you went straight into the whole kind of death thing. And I was just trying to keep it light and bring well, some levity. in. but now I feel like, a, I feel like a, a real horrible person. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Our horrible person. <laughs> the horrible person. So hey, it's I got, I got another. I got another one. Go on. Um. So did you read the article about how uh, the the the, the co founder of Facebook, Ed, Ed, was it Eduardo Saverin, is uh, giving up his U.S. citizenship to for the the Facebook IPO? I didn't read the article, but I did. I did see it. Uh, I'm interested to know. Tell me. So apparently, so he's Brazilian, and I think he came over to the U.S. as a kid. And I was like 92, and then he became, I think when he was like 18 or something, he became a U.S. citizen, a dual yeah. citizenship with, uh, with his Brazilian citizenship. And, and uh, But now, I guess, because of the taxes that will be charged on him, which I, I, th- I, I, my number, I have to look at the numbers, but it was like $3.6 or something is what he's worth, he'll be worth. 
Hmm. And uh, so the tax. So he wasn't on- screwed that badly then. They they made oh. it seem like he was really screwed over in the in the Facebook movie, but it's not like he's screwed over that well, badly. They did. I, you know, I don't know the whole story. I mean, maybe, uh, but I, I, I the the understanding that I have is that he did get screwed over. Um, but I'm sure he, you know, at least according to the movie. I mean, I don't know the. You know, he didn't go to California and stay part of it. He was kind of doing an internship one summer, and yeah. you know, but they kind of kicked. They kind of, I think, uh, Zuck. I don't think Zuckerberg is like a, a the the most straight up person. I think he has some ethical problems. I think he's kind right. of a sleazy guy based on his dealings with. I mean, it's, whatever I think of the Winklevi, I mean, he definitely was a, acted like in a very sleazy way to them. Right. So, so anyway, he's still he's worth three point six billion, and his taxes are going to be massively reduced if he gets rid of his American yeah, citizenship. Well, yeah, that's true. The one thing I was to say, though, well, that, that he did have to, I, I'm pretty sure he had to sue to get and maintain his ownership, not be as diluted, because I think they were, he would have had most, if not all, of his ownership kind of taken out, and I think he had to fight. Oh, okay. His, so, in the end, of course, he's going to be multi-billionaire, um, and, uh, you know, I, if the, it, According to the article, like he'll end up saving like half a billion dollars in taxes or something by giving up U.S. citizenship, which sounds like a smart move, especially if you're Brazilian anyway. <laughs> so, and what about the the other guys? Does it say how much money they got out of it? Do they get anything? Oh, they got sixty million, didn't they? Something like that. Yeah, the Winklevi. Yeah, yeah. they like sixty million. Um, so, you know, which is nothing to sneeze at, especially considered you know that their idea, their version of Facebook, it's just an idea. Yeah, sixty may- million for an idea is pretty good going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so what was interesting is so he's going to be a resident. Eduardo Severin is going to be a resident of Singapore. Well, you know who also is a resident of Singapore and is renouncing their U.S. citizenship? Who? Our friend Derek Sivers. Oh, probably not for tax reasons, though. No, not for ta- I don't think for tax reasons, but he's just, uh, I, I don't know what he's his- just doing it for the hell of it. I don't know if it's a political statement or. I'd say it's just probably an experiment. He just wants to see what will happen. What will happen? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. But I guess he'd be a, a citizen of Singapore. I mean, because he's not like he has dual, I don't think he has dual citizenship somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, he has to become Singaporean. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. This came up within like two days of each other, I think, on Hacker News. That's where I happen to. Huh. Guess. That's weird. Yeah. yeah that's, that's weird. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll give you a tip for that, but that's about it on that one. Yeah. Um, Oh, so two things that were kind of funny. Um, the Pentagon admits it has no photo evidence of Bin Laden's death. It was this is in Digital Journal, which is oh a, my. So so tell they, me, I believe no. the I believe the, um, the AP and um, let me look at it. It's like the AP has sued them for like you know yeah. Here we go. It says um, oh, stupid pop up. Get out of here. I got a pop up that's blocking it. It says um, a, the AP. Uh, you know the um, the wire service has submitted Associated press, yeah, yeah. Associated press has submitted more than twenty requests for information surrounding the raid on Bin Laden's Ab- Abbottabad compound to the U.S. government under the Freedom of Information Act. And of course, they're basically saying we don't have any. We we have no proof. But but but, but yeah, they released they released these pages from his his um, journals. And those pages made him look like this kind of desperate, crazy man who was really stressed and feeling like he was losing power of his organization. Doesn't it seem like, oh, that's just a plant? They just... You know. I, I mean, I, I, the way the whole thing was managed is just really, really uh, shady. I mean, the, the fact, the way it was done, oh, well, we're just going to bring him to the ship and dump him off to sea based on some Muslim burial rights, which turns out isn't, 
you know. So he, so he's not, probably not even dead. I, oh, you know. There's just the thing is, there's no way of knowing. There's no way of. There's really no way of knowing whether they either believe what the government said or you don't. I mean, the government changed their story like four times. They said, "Oh, we came out there and people were firing at us." Well, it turns out no one was firing as well. They've probably got him in Guantanamo right now, and they're just basically just um, torturing him to find out information about Al Qaeda. <laughs> I doubt it. I don't think that. But you know what happened? Remember, we I talked about how um, strategic forecasting Stratfor had been yeah. hacked, anonymous, and. Yeah things their vice president had said that he initially um, was of the belief, because based on his sources, that his body was brought back to, um, I don't know, it was, I remember it was like, um, not Fort Meade, Fort Meade is NSA. It was one of the uh, places where they bring like injured soldiers back to the U.S. And, yeah. and, and he said, you know, but then he later on, he said, no, actually, the, uh, more of clarification on that, he's swimming with the fishes. So but at least according to strategic forecasting, which, is held in high regard by the military is really having insight on what the hell is really going on. They're kind of like a private yeah. intelligence agency. Um, so, so anyway, at least according to strategic forecasting, they had dumped to the sea. Anyway, there's this another article I happened to see that was called, it was on Gizmodo. It says, this treasure hunter says he has located bin, bin Laden's body. <laughs> this guy is like a treasure hunter type guy who goes off, look for shipwrecks and stuff. And he's trying to raise money, I think, for this next one. Like he, he says that he's a guy named Bill Warren, the California treasure hunter. Um, and uh, I'll put a link to it. But uh, it was well, well, he's going to go and put it up, and it's not going. It's not going to be. He's just going to be Krusty the Clown in the books. Oh, speaking of kickstrapping, boots kickstrapping. Warren is now searching for two hundred thousand to finance the whole operation. Um, Bill, I suggest Kickstarter. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's that's the uh, the writer is like write that little note in there. Um, awesome, he's going to kickstrap it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That was funny. It would be hilarious if this shipping crew went out and just and dredged his body up and took the analysis, and then we have like one of these like you know, it's uh, it won't be him though. Specials. Is it Bin Laden or is it not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could syndicate that, couldn't you? CBS, you know, public, you know, it could be syndicated globally. BBC will show that. Yeah, it would just be like, did you remember that? Um, who was it? What was the Scarface? Who's, guys, who's Scarface? What was his real name? Al Pacino. Oh. What? <laughs> no, I don't no. know. Antonio Montoya or something like that? No, no, no. No, that's the, that's the character. Uh, um, the the uh, Capone's. It was Al Capone's tomb, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Without the whole thing, this is like back in like the late '80s or something when um, Geraldo was like they they stretched out for like they're going to open his vault it was like a capone's vault or something and thought there might be a lot of gold and who knows what might be in there and of course it ends up and he stretched it out stretched it out for two or three hours cut cook on commercial and then finally there's nothing <laughs> like great <laughs> everyone was the biggest was there a body there there's nothing it was just there was nothing it was nothing there it was a total buzzkill which is nothing uh, so but you could do the kind of same thing like yeah oh, we got this body we think it's been long yeah and it's like actually <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, we we found a crate of tea at the bottom at the bottom of the ocean. Right. <laughs> um, um. So Fringe has been renewed for fifth season, fifth and final season. Oh, it has. Now, I, now don't don't say anything because I'm about to watch that. This uh, is this the final episode tonight, or um, the one that I'm about to watch? I think I think so. I think we're going to watch. That's right. Because yeah, that's this is the final episode of the season. But uh, Sandy told me she saw it somewhere that it's been renewed for. It's good renewed for the season, but that's it. The fifth season. So that's it. Uh, they're definitely not going to renew it anymore. No, we, no, they're going to finish it up. That's it, five seasons. Yeah. So, 
It'll push, oh. it'll push it over the 100 episode mark, I think, which will then, which is really what you want for syndication. I, I don't know why that is. I've heard that, that like the 100 episodes is like the magic number for syndication for some reason. Hmm. Maybe one of our listeners know why that's the magic number. I mean, obviously you want more than 12 episodes for like syndication to, to buy a show, but 100 is the big, big, big deal number. But I think also like deciding like this is the last season allows them to like have a coherent story last season story like why is thing or why are things going to finish up the way they're going to finish up but lost went more than that didn't it i think it went six didn't it i think it went seven really i think it was six you want to check that Uh, my guess is six but i'm just amazed that that fringe has been on for four years Hmm. but does it like it's been on that long i don't know um it doesn't it doesn't seem to me like it's been long longer than our show we'll be three years june oh my lord I can't believe that. I feel like we've only been doing this for like half a year. Uh, that's longer than that, but not three years. Maybe God, like I've had to listen to so much of your voice. <laughs> and <laughs> I've learned nothing in the three years. The same. What else do I have? Oh, there's yeah, missiles are stationed on residential roof for Olympics because Olympics are going to be in the UK this, this summer, right? Yeah. They're putting anti-aircraft missiles on some of the buildings near the stadium. Can you believe that? Missile, yeah. like what? Like what? what, what they're going to have like terrorist bombers <laughs> nose diving into the uh, to the stadium. I mean, give me a break. That reminds me of of uh, this thing I was looking at from Hacking News. I can't remember the name of it, but some kid basically built a turret, like a machine gun turret that tracks you and fires little pencils at you. I'm just thinking this this like 18 year old kid's building this turret that's tracking him wearing this pink t-shirt walking around the room and then shoots pencils like this kid is going to get like employed by the government to build machines that kill people i probably get pulled in by like microsoft research or something like that yeah that's pretty cool though yeah it is pretty cool they need um you know one thing i was yeah this came up like uh this showed up on hacker news like about three or four weeks ago was like uh richard stallman's facebook notes mm-hmm and it was interesting how he kept notes. Like he would write down, um, he would write like one or two sentence sort of summaries of an article. Like what were the key points? And it would just sort of like be appended to this one, you know, file or whatever. Yeah. It was actually very kind of useful because it wasn't just a list of links with titles. It was actually like, here's the core information, one or two sentences or three or four lines of just key information about what what was gleaned from that article. And so it's almost like a dossier of like all the things that he thinks are screwed up with Facebook, the privacy mm-hmm. violations and this and that. So it's like, if you want to have a debate with Stallman on Facebook, he's been tracking them for years and he has all his notes. So he can say this, 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 and this, and you know, and here's the source, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I've been, I've, I've talked about how I've been wanting to like come up with like a way of tracking information. And I built this little thing that, you know, this little Chrome extension. I did this like about a month ago where I can select some text on a web page and right click and it'll just say save as a note and it'll save the title of the page, the URL, and then the note, like the, the section of text. Hmm. Which is kind of cool. And it goes to a web page. Then I can go to my web page and I can just look at it, which I thought, which is... Which is that is a really good idea. I mean, I, I think I said to you before, that's a really good idea. Why don't you release that? That's something you should release. Yeah, maybe I'll do. So, and, and then, so, and the way the Chrome extension will do is... and then like, I want that right now. Okay. Well, I'll release it. Shut else- up and shut up and let me give you my money. I want that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, 
Yeah, and maybe I will finish that up. It's it's pretty easy, and in the in the, the in I would probably, you know easy to it'd be fun. It'd be easy to make like the equivalent one for like Firefox extension. I mean, I would like literally. I would give you ten bucks right now to have that. Ten bucks. Okay. I want. I'll take it out of my pocket. I've got it on the table. Yep. You pal it to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll okay. prepay you if you put if you if you put this as a project on kick uh, if you kickstrap this. I'll I'll, I'll give you ten bucks. Kickstrap, they'll call it the, the memory hole or something. Yeah. <laughs> you should do this it's just as a social experiment. Kickstrap this concept. Kickstrap memory hole. Memory hole. Memory hole. I remember. Memory hole. That's very unfortunate. On the memory hole. I remember when my buddy Suleiman and I went our first startup. I've told you about that. Uh, this I've told you. I've told. I've talked about the startup on the a number of times on the podcast. Yes. Renaissance. So, so don't talk about it again. Just tell us the, the key part. No. So we had. <laughs> this was back in the days. This is like 1995. There was no GitHub. Right. There was an. Yeah. There was. There was. There was nothing. And uh, we, this is before we even started using SourceSafe, which came out like a few years later. And there was no network. So we had on our hard drive, uh, or at least I think Phil had one. He we had a folder called the hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all backup code just went into the hole. <laughs> that was just, like you didn't know what to do with it. You're like, well, this isn't really in, but I don't want to lose it. Just throw it in the hole. Oh, yeah. In the hole. So anyway, I was thinking, so I was using my my little memory hole extension. <laughs> Have you called it memory hole? I haven't, but it just came to me when I was thinking. You I think should. It's- you so should. Because that in its own right will, <laughs> will help you uh, kickstrap it. All right, so so we use the memory hole, the memory hole extension. So yeah. the the the, <laughs> the problem was the only, it, it works great most of the time, but sometimes I just want to um, I want to write notes. Like sometimes I I, I want to like there is no one like section of text that sort of summarizes the key points because a lot of times what happens is there like there'll be little facts or little quotes that are good, but sometimes you're like I just want to write like oh I can write like a one sentence or even a fragment of a sentence that'll summarize the key things here. Right. Yeah. And so you want to text, but it's like I don't want to write. I, I, I sometimes so I want, I might have something you right click pop up and it'll do like a little pop up and you write some notes and it'll mm-hmm. it'll send it automatically and it'll be you know keyed to that link to that URL and, and that way when you go to your URL your web page your notes and the and the quotes or all the texts that are associated are associated with that URL so it's like here's the URL link the title and then like here are the three or four notes on it right. What were you going to say? I was going to say Evernote Web Clipper. It's part of the Evernote product suite that's that's free and basically does exactly what the, what you're saying. Yeah, and yeah. it allows you to um, add some text as well. Just to say, I, I tried using Evernote, but it always it always screwed up on me. I got that's why I stopped using because I kept I installed it and then I was using it and it was like you're not logged in. I'd log back in and it was like it was just it was, half the time the service was down. Like I couldn't save anything. I just, just oh, that sucks. Okay. I just stopped using it. So I was just like, screw it. Um, I don't like Evernote. Evernote to me is an overcooked ham. I get mm. in and like, I don't even know what the hell this stuff is. It's like, I just need something much simpler and cleaner. It's just, it's just, it's just so over the top for me. Um, but the other thing I wanted is, is I was like, you know, the way I'd like to send notes in is just write them in Gmail and send them to an, a, an address. So I, cause I can, if I want to do a hyperlink or do whatever, I mean, another great idea because I always do that. I always send emails to myself, little notes. But I'd like to like be in a database and then put out on a web page. So it's like, oh, here are all my notes. Perfect. Yeah, that that would be awesome. Because I mean, right now, I I would say I do this like once a day when just when I'm nowhere near anything. I've just got my iPhone, 
I will email myself a little note. It would be awesome if rather than sending it to jv at vop.ie, I could send it to memory hole. <laughs> <laughs> jv at memory hole. No, but sure. could, you, could you do a much shorter domain, like a really short domain? M-hole? <laughs> <laughs> just something really short, like something, two, two oh, letters. Just isn't, just doesn't sound So right. it could be just jv at mh.lee or whatever. Just something really, really short. Because that would be awesome. Coupled with the web clipper, that's a great idea. I think you're onto something. The key, the key about it for me is not just saving information, which is like Evernote, some of the things can do, but it's using that spaced memory technique, which would email you every day a selection, a random selection of 10 to 20 items, little snippets, and you just review them, and it just brings them back. So stuff that you saw, like some of it will be stuff you saw three days ago, some of the stuff that you saw two weeks ago, some of it you saw three months ago or nine months ago, and it reinforces like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. And it just this kind of- is the best idea you've ever had. And I, I'm not even kidding. Like, this is what you should be building with App Ignite, with Guyon, this whole thing. You yeah. could make real money on this. This is a good idea. Right. Do, a, yeah. do, it, do it like a freemium thing or whatever. Well, this is what <laughs> do, I want for myself because I'm just dying for... I want this. Right. Me too. This, like, you should make this. You and Guyon should make this. It's awesome. All right, I'll do it. Well, it's easy. Well, you know, it's very similar to the same tech that we use for that hacker events thing because emailing something to process, well, that's a little different. But I think I use Mailgun to do, to do that. I don't even yeah, have Yeah, Mailgun to, can do that. No problem. Oh, the processing. No work to do. And then yeah. I could use an API to pull the, 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 the body and subject out of the email. Yeah, right? you can also postmark do the same thing, I think. Okay. So that's done. So that's easy. And then you have something that automatic that goes a cron script that runs. This is okay. Well, when's the last time you saw this? Random, some randomizer. Here's your 10 items. Here's your email. Boom. So, and I already wrote the Chrome extension, easy, and got the API and the database stuff. Yeah, all right, that's cool. Well, this is this is the one that I want to exist more than anything for myself. And I and I did I did the basics of it, but I just after reading that Stallman thing, it's like I want to be able to send notes because sometimes that's also what I want to do. But I need this that. would make a lot more money because look, think about um, what's his name, Nosby, right? He's got the getting things done. When I I see this as kind of a similar kind of app, like you get you could have, you know. 10,000 people on at nine bucks a month on an app like this and build it for three years. You know, you could, this, this could be a great little bootstrapping app, but you, but you could go through iteration zero and kickstrap it. And I'm serious about that too. If you just do a good presentation. Right. What yeah. do you think? Well, memory hole.co. <laughs> not memory oh. hole, not memory hole. Give it, give it a cool name and something really short. I am hole.net. You could be, um, but I'm sure you've got something better in you. Because look, you thought of some good names, Anyfoo, Apignite. I'm sure you could think of something better than Memory Hole. Any? <laughs> Ask Sandy what she thinks of the name Memory Hole. <laughs> like Just run that past her. I like it. I like, <laughs> I like it. Get Memory Hole. I don't know. Let's, or like Freckle, let's Memory Hole. <laughs> okay. But look, if you, if you, I mean, think about it, right? If you're emailing yourself from all these different email clients, you want this to be super easy. It's going to be easy to type in your username because you're used to typing in your username. So for me, it's going to be JV2222 at, and then the next part needs to be as short and easy as possible. I mean, even if, even if you did have memoryhole.com, uh-huh. just get like mh.io or something like that. As, well, it doesn't uh, even matter because you have IntelliSense in your, in your, uh, in Google, I mean, in your, in your Gmail, right? I mean, or, yeah, but that's like the first time you type it in. Sometimes you're on someone else's, you know, sometimes you really want to get that note. I've been in a situation where, oh my God, I really want to get this note to myself. I've got to use someone else's phone and email it, you know, like mm-hmm. all those kind of scenarios. Okay. Well, oh, okay. I'll play with, I'll play with some something. 
But I'll, I, yeah, I'll get this finished up. This is something I want. I've been wanting to finish up for myself anyway, just to help. Well, it's like I have so much information I'm trying to manage for yeah. the podcast, for you know all the projects with any food or epic night for uber i mean it's like i get like just i mean i don't know maybe I, but i think most of the people who listen to our show are the same boat they have these different yeah. interests, their stories they're tracking that they want that they'd like to be able to have quicker mental access to not just like i want to, be able to go back and search like i want it to be in my brain so the next time i talk about it I, I have like all the facts and i remember the sources right off the top of my tip of my tongue that would be amazing if you if if you're a listener and you want jason to shut up and let you give you his money just just put it on the blog, send it to the send it to podcast.textinglive.com. As much feedback about this as possible. This is a great little uh, side project for Jason and Guyon, I think, and I'm curious to see what the listeners think as well. Cool. Yeah. I like it. All right, so um, I should probably call it a show because um, I need yeah, to we've, the park. We've done, we've done an hour and a half. We, we, yeah. we've done it. This has been a good show, actually. My yeah. energy. Oh. Um, we'll, we'll do a big, uh, let's do a big update on Foo next week. Sure. We'll have more to talk about, I think. Okay. The only thing I was going to say, what I think one thing you and I kind of decided as in terms of the podcast is we're going to experiment with doing um, uh, one-person interviews as opposed to both of us interviewing at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to kind of just uh, give people a heads up so they're not confused. And there's a couple of reasons, and, and you can give your, your thoughts on it, but I think it's, it's a little awkward to have two interviewers. It's, um, it's just hard because, you, you know, you have one, you, you each are trying to ask, you're kind of overlapping in terms of... Uh, First, you're talking over each other, or you're butting in on one another. And I talk a lot, so it's going to be difficult for you trying to get in there. And then, I don't know, it's just awkward. Yeah. I th- I th- and I don't think that it's going to... It's it, it's not like any value will be lost by only one person interviewing at a time. Like, in fact, if anything, value will be gained, because the interview, the general interview, will be more coherent and will go on less tangents and will follow more of a single path. Well, if I'm, if I'm doing the interviewing, it'll, it'll be all over the place. But if you're doing the interviewing, it'll probably follow a single path. So there, there's going to be there's going to be two different styles of interviewing, I think. Yeah. Well, also this, I I, I think so. I think it'll be easier. I think we, you and I sometimes interviews go really easily, and sometimes they're a little frustrating. And uh, it's it's just because having two interviews is just clumsy. Yeah. It just it's just it's just the, way, the nature of it. Um, I think that also. You can do interviews. There are certain people who you are interested in interviewing that I'm not so interested in, and vice versa. Right. Like there's stuff like you, you, like you might be more interested in some marketing, web marketing stuff, where I would have a hard time getting myself motivated to ask some questions. Whereas I might be interested. Like this next week, we're going to interview the director of research at one of these big top secret high frequency trading firms. Mm-hmm. That's that's my area of ex- that's or at least one of my areas that I know a fair amount about, and that should be a really fun interview. Yes, yeah, not really your world. You probably have little <laughs> or not nearly as much interest as I do in it. So Not so much. Not so yeah. much. So I also think that it actually could work to our benefit is that we could do more interviews for the show. People have, will get more interviews done for our listeners, but it will take less of our time. Well, it's, not, it's going to take relatively the same of my time because I guess I'll be editing the shows, right? Yeah, but then you don't have to worry about questions or take, preparing for it at all. Yeah, that's true. I mean, as, as long as you... It's true, yeah. I mean, I should be able to edit them faster as well because I can't, I can't do huge amounts of edits on your audio track anyway. Like mainly, the mo- the majority of the editing that I do is the crosstalk that we have, right? So, so no more. So cross- yeah, so no more crosstalk. Yeah, no more crosstalk. And the interviews are pretty simple to edit because they're just it's usually they're pretty simple. I mean, it's it's yeah. not 
Sometimes you and I would go off on tangents and gets totally off topic and we'll slice that down if there's stuff that just realize, okay, I can't talk about that because that was about a client and that's not really something I'm really supposed to talk about, right? So that's kind of stuff yeah. sometimes we'll not, we'll say, let's just cut that out. But when it comes to interviews, it's pretty straight up. So anyway, I just want to tell Pete, I just want to kind of give people a heads up. So the interview that we're doing on Wednesday, um, it's just going to be me interviewing and you're going to be the producer. And, you know, I think what we could also do though is, is if, especially when you're, recording you can always ping me on skype and say hey i want a button you can do like the producer button like okay a producer wants to ask a question so if there's something <laughs> hard to ask sure. you see that happen on occasion so it's not like you can't ask if you want to but so how should i introduce the show or should, should do you just want to interview the show introduce the show i don't know if to talk about it i don't care i can just i can do it or yeah it doesn't matter it's yeah. totally it's, i'm indifferent to that it doesn't really matter All i mean right. you, you do a good intro but um i don't know if it's going to sound weird or not that might be fine i don't know how, how do normal you know a normal um i'll just say welcome to this welcome to texting blah 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 um uh this session is uh, an interview between jason roberts and blah 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 something like that that'd be far perfect there you go so we don't want, we don't want to be too shocking to people they'll be like what the hell where did Jeff go <laughs> it <got> disappeared <laughs> it disappeared post trick uh, yeah all right, cool, man. Well, I'm going to take the kids to the park before they drive my wife crazy. And, um, yeah, I guess that's awesome. a wrap. That's a wrap. It's <laughs> a wrap. We're out. Ooh, Justin Vincent, solopreneur.